0: So, so you know, uh, uh, there's good news and bad news. Don't you hate there's good news and then followed by bad news? Well, here's the good news. Survey after survey after survey, conversation after conversation after conversation, lets us know that the most effective way for a person to come to be a Christian, as Buddy was just singing about, as the choir was just singing about, The most effective way, hands down, for a person to become a Christian is when somebody that that person knows, loves, and trusts talks to them about Jesus. It might be in a Sunday School Connect group on a Sunday morning. Uh, Right now, there are Sunday School Connect groups going on, and in those Connect groups this morning, there's a lesson talking about how to talk to our loved ones and friends about Jesus. Jesus. Many of you were in a connect group already this morning. Some of you will be going to a connect group uh, after this service. If you've not been in a connect group and you'd like to find one after this service, uh, come find Al Huffman at the end of the service. He will put you in the right place. He teaches one of our connect groups. He'd be glad to have you come to his. As today, we're blending our Sunday School connect groups with our morning music and message with our evening growth initiative, as we were talking about earlier with the, with the hope that our congregation of folks will become more comfortable in three foundational areas of the Christian life. Last week we talked about becoming more comfortable and confident and competent with the Bible. And how we can take God's word, the Bible, use it in our lives and use it through our lives. Today we're talking about talking with other people about Jesus. That's the good news that the vast majority of people who come to become believers and followers of Christ will tell you that the number one reason, humanly speaking, is that somebody they know, love, and trust spoke to them, invited them to know Christ, invited them to an event or to church where they could hear the gospel, and they responded, and it all went back to somebody who cared enough to share with them. Next week, we'll be talking about the importance of prayer. And uh, I have been, uh, and I'll share more next week, but I have been just reinvigorated in my prayer life to recognize one very important truth, that without God, it's all impossible. And so next week, in your Connect group, you'll talk about prayer. I will be sharing a message with you about prayer. And next Sunday night, we're going to be showing the movie about prayer called War Room. And I hope you'll come Uh, I did not get to see it when it first was released. Pam and I have seen it, and I'm so excited to share it with you, whether you've seen it before or not. I hope you will plan to come and be here. That's my commercial, but it all goes back to the good news, which is people will tell you the number one human factor in them becoming a Christian is somebody that they do what? Three things. Say it with me. Somebody they know, love, and trust. Say those three words again. Know, love, and trust. When somebody they know, love, and trust takes the time and has the care to tell them about Jesus. Now, I want you to think with me for a second. If you are a Christian, a follower of Christ, there had to be somebody somewhere that took the time to tell you about Jesus. Think about who that was. Who was that that took the time to tell you about Jesus. I say this from time to time and I hope you don't get tired of hearing it because I don't get tired of saying it. One of the reasons I'm standing here today as your pastor is because and when I was a teenager I became a follower of Jesus Christ out of a broken unchurched home and when I started attending church for the fun activities at church I went to the junior high boys Sunday school class and that man in the back back there, Clay Eaton, took the time to tell me about Jesus Christ. And so I can verify that somebody you know, love, and trust telling you is the number one reason why people come to know Christ. That's the good news. Say that with me. Good news. Ready? Good news. Now here's the bad news. (laughs) Here's the bad news. Survey after survey after survey of church people will tell you that the average Christian feels inadequate, awkward, and does not share their faith with people that they know, love, and trust. So we've got a rock and a hard place going on here. On the one hand, people come to Jesus as Christians when somebody they, say it with me, know, love, and trust will tell them. But people that they know, love, and trust are not telling them because they don't feel competent or confident or able to share their faith with somebody else. And there's the dilemma that we find. Which is one of the reasons that today, in our connect group, in our worship service, in the music that you've heard, and in our growth initiative tonight, that we'll be talking to you to offer encouraging words of how to tell people that you know, love, and trust about the Lord Jesus Christ. I want to share with you today from Acts chapter 8. I want to invite you to to turn there with me, Acts chapter 8. And as you do, I want to invite you to stand with me. Would you do that? Before we get to Acts chapter 8, I want to call your attention to our theme verse. As we've been following the theme of Grow for the last several weeks, our theme verse is 2 Peter 3.18. And uh, the words will be on the screen there, 2 Peter 3.18. And uh, I I want to ask you to read these words together with me from 2 Peter 3.18. Ready? Let's read. But continually grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. This is the last verse of the last letter, the last of two letters, that Peter wrote to Christians. And his last encouragement is that they would personally grow in the the grace and knowledge of Christ and that they may take that and share it with others around them so that they may come to Christ as well. The end of 2 Peter 3.18 is on the screen. Would you read that with me? To Him be the glory both now and to the day of eternity. Can you imagine this? What gives greater glory to God than when we as believers care enough about our Savior and about our loved ones to take the gospel and tell them? Our Heavenly Father, today, in just these few moments, would you encourage us and motivate us, pour your love into us, and give us a love for others that desperately need you. And Lord, if, we, if we'll just tell them, then Lord, they will respond because you're already at work in their lives. So we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Please be seated. So we're going to look at Acts chapter 8, verses 26 to 40 today. Because in this passage of Scripture, a follower of Jesus named Philip has an encounter with a man, and he tells this man about Jesus. This, this scenario that we read about in Acts chapter 8 literally walks us through a process of sharing the gospel with someone else. And so we want to, to look at this, and I want to offer you today eight encouragements, eight steps, if you will, towards sharing your faith. And I'm going to go over these much quicker than I would like for the sake of time. But, uh, but, but grab on, hold on. you got your notes there in your listening guide. You can, uh, you can jot them in as we go. But eight encouragements for you and me to share our faith. Now, before we get there, I want to ask you to do something for me. I asked you just a moment ago, if, you were a, if you're a believer and a follower of Christ, who was it that cared enough to tell you? And let me ask you as we get started here, is there somebody? Or who is there? in your life right now that you would love to share the gospel of jesus with if a door opened up and an opportunity came there's somebody you know you love you trust and they are not a believer. They're not a follower. You might work with them, live with them. They might, might be in your social circles, wherever they are. It might be the same person that waits on your table at the same restaurant every Tuesday morning for breakfast. It might be the person that checks you out at the grocery store and you see them over and over again. It might be any number of people around you. Would you be thinking right now, who might that person be that you would love to see come to know Jesus Christ as Savior? And then how in the world could you ever share with them? Let's walk through those steps. Step number one is this. Be available for God to use me to tell somebody about Jesus. Be available. Availability is the number one factor in whether or not you and I will share the message of Christ with somebody else. Now, to be available, there's several things that need to be happening in your life. To be available for God to use us, we have to be walking with God. We have to be growing in our faith. G-R-O-W. We've been saying it for weeks and weeks. G is for gather. R is for renewing our mind with the Scripture. O is for observing or obeying or following and applying what the Scripture says. And W is for worship. We need to be doing those things on a regular and consistent basis because out of that, as Peter wrote to the followers, uh, continually grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Out of that is where availability comes from. And if, if you are here today and you'll say, you'll say to me, Mark, I'm not available. I'm not going to be available. That's not going to be me. I'm going to say your, your issue is not with witnessing. Your issue is with growing in your faith and in your walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Because, see, God wants to use us to reach other people for Christ. And God will open doors for us. And in in fact, here's the thing we need to recognize with this. We don't have have to, to go looking. If we'll just listen for opportunities, God will actually open the doors. God will actually set the stage. And then God will actually use us in this. Don't you notice there in verse 26 of Acts 8, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place, verse 27, and he rose and went. This is reported to us matter-of-factly. It's reported to us as, well, God spoke and Philip did it. End of story. It doesn't seem like such a big thing. It doesn't seem like it's such a, such a, a great spiritual moment. There were no lights that went off. There was no, no music in the background. There was no, no great wave of emotion. The Lord spoke and Philip obeyed. It really is that simple. Philip was living the life. He was living the Christian life. He was following after Christ. So he was available when when God spoke to him through the angel. And so he got up and he went. Now, now when that happens to us and when God tells us that we need to go and and do something, uh, sometimes he doesn't give all the details. I'm a detail guy. Sometimes God does not give me all the details. I get frustrated with that. Not frustrated with God, but frustrated with myself because I'm not just simply following what God has for me to follow. And so when God speaks, we don't need to ask necessarily, well, who and and, and what and when and where and and why and how. We don't need to ask all those questions. Just simply follow what God says. We also don't need to make excuses. I'm not going to ask if you're an excuse maker because then I would just be giving you an excuse to make an excuse. One of, the, one of the top excuse makers in the Bible was Moses. Did you know that? In Exodus 3 and 4, Moses gave God five wonderful excuses of why he could not do what God called him to do. Did you, did you know that? We think about Moses. He's the great man who God led you know, to Pharaoh and Yul Brynner on, on the, in every Easter. You know, let my people go and, and, and all that and, and the voice of Charlton Heston and you know all, all of those things. But, but Moses struggled early on with following what God called him to do. In fact, here's the five excuses, and you can go read Exodus 3 and 4 and get more details. Excuse number one, I'm not adequate. That's above my pay grade, God. Excuse number two, I don't know enough. I'm not smart enough. I hadn't been to that class. I hadn't been to that seminar. I hadn't been to seminary. Excuse number three, they won't listen to me. That's every preacher's excuse. Every Sunday school, Connect group leaders excuse. Every Saturday night, Lord, I'm gonna, I don't know if I can do this because they won't listen. Excuse number four. I'll say this in English. I can't talk good. (laughs) I'm not eloquent. And then finally, the fifth excuse: I'm not willing. God kept coming after him. He finally just said, send somebody else. God, I'm just not willing to go and do it. Let's to be available. We can't use those kinds of Of excuses, Because you see, God is not looking for your ability. He's not looking for my ability. If He was looking for ability, He would go to somebody else besides me. He'd go to somebody else besides you. God is not looking for ability. He's looking for availability. And if we'll simply be willing to say, Lord, here I am, God can use us in great ways. Number two, encouragement. Recognize that people are searching for God. Every generation... Every point in history, people are searching for God. Notice verse 27. There was an Ethiopian, a eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. And the spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. Now think about this scenario. Here's this man, a court official from a foreign nation who had come to Israel, to Jerusalem, to do what? What is it saying there? He had come to worship. He had come because he was searching. He was looking. He had heard there's a God in Israel, and he wanted to go find out for himself. He was searching. Survey after survey after survey in this day and time, because a lot of surveying is going on, especially among this group called the Millennials. And we've got millennials in this service. We've got millennials in the, in the second service this morning. And uh, millennials all over the place. That's that group that, that's about 35 and younger. And if you're in that group, then, then praise the Lord. But I'm going to tell you, it's an odd group of people. It is an odd group of people. Now, do you know why I say that they're an odd group of people? Because I ain't one. They confuse me. And you know who used to say things like, this young generation confuses me? The old people used to say that. And I was young. Those old people, they don't know what they're talking about. We know everything. And now I'm the old person saying, we just don't understand these young people. (laughs) But those of us who are over 35, amen, (laughs) we're different than those that are under 35. And it's glaring. It's a culture. It's across the board. But our generation and the generations before us, they were searching, this younger generation that we think is so odd, and they're not odd, they're just different than we are. They're searching, and we're all searching for the same thing, peace in our soul, connection with God, with somebody who, with God who is above us and beyond us. And, and people who are searching often come to churches searching and looking for connections, To God. And there are people in this room right now, and there are people that will be in in our second service in the gym, that will come into that room, and they will come in searching. They may not show it on their face, they may not act it in their lives, but they're listening, they're looking, they're observing, they're searching for a connection with God. Listen, there are people that will never set foot in a church. But they're in our schools, in our businesses, in our neighborhoods. And they too are searching. It may be on, on the, top, the top of their mind of what they think about. It may be tucked away back in the dark corners of their mind. But any way you look at it, people are searching. Why? Because God created us to search for Him. And they're searching. I mentioned last week, Bill Bright of Campus Crusade said this in 1968. There is a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the Creator made known through Jesus Christ. That's a true statement. And the generations have searched for God, and, and let me go all the way back to the Rolling Stones. I, I used two songs to, to demonstrate this from popular culture, all the way back to, you know, some of you remember the Rolling Stones when they were not on Social Security, right? <laughs> the Rolling Stones had this song that would, they just, just riveted a generation, and the song said, I just can't get no satisfaction. Though I try and I try and I try and I try, and if you know anything about the Rolling Stones and that generation, they were trying every possible avenue to seek pleasure, but also seeking meaning and searching ultimately for God. A generation later, when I was a teenager, a group called U2, not YouTube on the, on the computer, but U2 uh, had a song out, I still haven't found what I'm looking for. Still hadn't found it. I'm, I'm looking high. I'm looking low. I'm looking everywhere I can. I still haven't found it. And these two songs and other songs out there and other, other, other ways of, of communicating, people are letting us know they're looking and searching for God. And that's the good news. In Acts chapter 9, God spoke to Ananias and said, Go over here to this house. There's a man over there named Saul who is uh, searching and Ananias said, Well, Lord, that's the man that's been killing Christians, and I'm a Christian. He, he, and God says, I know. Go over there and talk to him because he's searching. Fast forward and now Saul, who is persecuting Christians, has now become a Christian and become a and became a preacher and a missionary. Now he, in the middle of the night, has this, this vision. God gave Paul a vision of a man from Macedonia, a place in, in the next province over. And the man of Macedonia was saying this in the dream. Come on over here and help us. Help us know about Jesus. Why? Because people everywhere are searching. It's in the Bible. It's in our culture. It's in our history. It's in those odd people called the millennials. It's in the senior adults. Everywhere. People are searching. We need to understand that. The third encouragement I would give you, and that is if if we want to share with people about Christ, we need to look for an entry point. We need to look for a way to start the conversation. How do we get it going? This is where I think a lot of us are are awkward and afraid and feel inadequate. How do I get that conversation started? And so so we see here in, in verse number 30, here in Acts 8, Philip ran to the chariot where where he had been told to go. He ran to the chariot and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet, and he asked him. He's just kind of trotting along beside the chariot while this man's in there, and he's reading Isaiah out loud. And Philip just kind of hollers out to him, and he says, Hey, do you understand what you're reading? That's his entry point. Run up beside a chariot and ask the guy if he understands what he's reading. Now, this is not a good method for us today using vehicles. I'm just going to tell you. Do not pull up at a stoplight, let down your window, honk your horn, and get the driver beside of you and say, Hey, do you understand what you're reading in there? Because hopefully they're not reading anything. They're <laughs> looking eyes on the road. But that's what happened. They found an entry point. Do you understand what you're, what's being said here? When you leave church and you're talking to the people in the car with you, Hey, how would you like that lesson in our Sunday School Connect group today? Do you understand that? What did you think about the sermon today? Did, you, did that make any sense to you? Or, or if you're in your home and you're having a, a family devotion time where you're reading a passage of Scripture in your home, you read Scripture or let somebody else read it and just ask the question, hey, do you understand that? Uh, having a conversation somewhere and, and somebody says this or says that and, and, and tie it back to Scripture somehow and just, just ask the question, hey, do you understand that? And oftentimes people will say, well, no, I don't. But look for an entry point. Does this make sense to you? Look for that entry point. Number four, look for an open door. Look for not just an entry point to start a conversation, but look for the door to open. Not, and, and listen, here's important. We need to understand, don't kick the door in in a conversation. We don't have to be bulldozers. That's what we think we have to do. We have to, to bulldoze somebody, and that rarely ever works in sharing the gospel. But if we'll be sensitive to listen and be available, sensitive to an open door and look for a a way to, to walk in, and God will take that door and he'll open it right up. So Philip has come up beside this chariot. He's hearing this guy read from the prophet Isaiah. He says to him, hey, do you understand what you're reading? And verse 31, and he said, how can I, unless somebody guides me? And he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. How can I understand this? The Bible does not make any sense to me whatsoever. Do you know who says that? Everybody at some point. I just don't understand what the Bible says. Can you help me? And so that was the open door. This kind of came to me as I was studying even last night and in in going over my notes, and I wrote this down. If we are sensitive to the Holy Spirit about ways to invite people to Jesus... He will lead us to people who invite us to share Jesus. If we'll be sensitive to the Holy Spirit about who we can invite to come to Jesus, God will give us opportunities where people actually invite us to tell them about Jesus. That's what happened right here. I had that experience this past week. In sharing uh, the gospel with a group of people uh, after that, somebody walked up and said, hey, can we talk about that? Out of the blue, just out of the blue. Let me give you some some gospel math. The math wasn't my best topic in high school, but I want to give you some gospel math. And here you see it on the screen there the formula availability plus someone searching plus an entry point in the conversation equals an open door to share. Does that make sense to you guys? If you are available, and you find somebody who's searching and you ask them a question to, to, to kind of make an entry and then uh, you, uh, you do that and God will tend to open the door. What if all these things happen and the door doesn't open up? It might not be the right time to share. You just stop the conversation and move on to something else. And leave the door open for the next time you're talking to that person about the gospel. Number five, encouragement. Be ready to share the good news about Jesus. Be ready. Be ready when the time comes to share the good news about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You don't have to go to seminary. You don't have to be a trained theologian. It is helpful if you'll go to your Sunday School Connect group worship and growth intensives at church. 1 Peter 3.15 says, Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. See, in 1 Peter 3.15, it's echoing exactly what's happening in Acts chapter 8. Be ready to give a defense. Be ready to share when somebody asks you. Well, why is somebody going to ask you? Because you're knocking on the door. You're knocking on the door and trying to find an entry point. They open the door and say, come on in. Can you help me me and tell me about Jesus? The end of 1 Peter 3.15 says, yet do it with gentleness and respect. We're called to be gentle with people and respectful of people and one of the problems that we have as Christians is we think we've got to be spiritual bulldozers and get in there and share the gospel even if they're right in the middle of something else or it's not convenient. We bulldoze our way in. We think we have to do that and we're not called to do that. We're called to be gentle and respectful. One of the problems with people that are not believers is that they look at us and they think we're a bunch of spiritual bulldozers just bulldozing our way in. So they're reluctant to speak to us sometimes because they think we're just going to bulldoze them over. But it's amazing what will happen if we'll determine that we're going to be gentle and respectful and look for those open doors. Then, then, then we see what can happen. Now, now verse 32 back in Acts chapter 8 The the eunuch, uh, it says about the eunuch and Philip, they're now riding in a chariot together. Philip is very thankful he doesn't have to jog beside the chariot anymore. He's been invited up, and now they're going to talk a little bit, but it says there in verse 32, the passage of the Scripture that he was reading was this, Like a sheep, he was led to the slaughter. And like a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he opens not his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. If you want to find this passage, you start in Isaiah 53. And that whole section there is where the Ethiopian eunuch was reading from. And here's what goes right along with what I've been saying. God opens doors. Say that with me. God opens doors. And so this eunuch was reading this certain passage of Scripture. Philip comes alongside of him, asks him, hey, you know what's going on? Guy says, come up here and tell me about it. I'm reading this passage and starting right here. In Isaiah 53, Philip said this, something like this, because it doesn't record it, but he said, 700 years ago, Isaiah wrote this. And we live now in a day and a time where it's come to pass. God told us in advance he was going to send his son, the Messiah. And Jesus is the Messiah. And where it says these things in Isaiah 53, they were fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And he went on to tell him about Jesus Using Isaiah 53 and other places in Scripture, he walks him through what the gospel is, the good news of Jesus Christ. He simply was there, he was prepared, he was ready, and he told him about the gospel. And what this tells us is simply this, start with people where they are. They might be in Isaiah 53. They might be in John chapter 1. They might be in in, uh, Habakkuk or Genesis, or uh, Revelation, But, but start with them where they are and come alongside them and start there and tell them the story because the whole story of the Bible is not 66 different stories, it's one story in 66 different books that all point to the same thing, which is Jesus is our Savior and our only hope. Number six, celebrate baptism as the outward sign of inward faith. When a person comes to know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they are to be baptized. Notice in verse 36. As they were going along the road, they came to some water. And the eunuch said, See, here is water. What prevents me from being baptized? Now, how did the eunuch know about water and about baptism? Because Philip had started in Isaiah 53 and gone all the way through to baptism and had come to the point of Matthew 28 where Jesus said, Go make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the eunuch has now heard these things and he's expressing his faith and he's saying, Hey, why can't I be baptized? Verse 38, Philip and the eunuch... Philip and, I'm sorry, he commanded the chariot to stop, and they both went down into the water, Philip and the eunuch, and he baptized him. He baptized him. Now, I want to pause here for a couple of things that we're going to do, a little different. Can we do something different today? Is that okay? Say amen if it's okay. Oh, that's okay. Two things I want to do. We're going to have a new member report. So we're going to go into a church conference right now on the spot. We've been advertising. We're going to go into a church conference right here. To adopt our new member report. We normally do this on a Wednesday night throughout the year, but uh, I, I decided that it'd be good on this occasion today to have a new member report. So, if you're a member of Ridgecrest, I'm going to present to you uh, those who have come for membership and for baptism uh, because I want to demonstrate to you that over the course of the last period of time, I don't know how long it's been, it's, it's been a few months. But the following people have said, I want to make Ridgecrest Baptist Church my church home. And as you know, uh, if you're you're a member here, there are three ways a person can become a member. One is by what we call a transfer of letter. They're a member of another Baptist church. They want to become a member of our church. Maybe they've moved into the area or, or, or for whatever reason, they say this is where we want to be uh, connected to a church. And so they take, we send a letter to their other church and they release them from that church membership and apply them to our church membership. And so that transfer of letter where the person says, I'm a Christian and I've been baptized. I'm a member over here, but now I want to be a member at Ridgecrest. That's one way. A second way is what's called statement. A person states... By their testimony, I know Jesus as my Savior. I have been baptized by immersion, and, uh, and I, I'm not a member of another Baptist church, but I want to be a member of this church. And so by my testimony or my statement, I want to become a member of Ridgecrest. And so we allow membership to be brought in that way. A third way is by what we call profession of faith and baptism. This is where a person has never trusted Christ or, they, or they've never been baptized. And so they want to become a member of Ridgecrest. And so they do so by professing their faith, by trusting Jesus as their Savior, as the eunuch did in Acts 8 and many other places in the Bible we read about this, but, but, but by professing faith and, uh, uh, and, and now by being baptized. And so periodically we bring those people to the church through a church conference, and we say, "Would you endorse this?" Everybody here has has, has come and and, and followed uh, the steps. So 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 let me give you the names, and then I'll ask you just to give a big hearty amen, and we'll uh, we'll we'll bring these folks into our church fellowship. First of all, by baptism, you see the names on the screen. I'll read them: Madeline Bowen, Jill Blaylock, Christy Glosson, Dan Glosson, Kim Robinette, Matthew Waters. Todd Newton, Roberta Friskney, Lucy Stevenson, Hayden Mitchell, Sidney Bassett, Isabella Sterling, Colton Stallings, Luke Young, Albert Carson, Izzy Blaylock, Matthew Blaylock, Logan Horn, Carson Turner, Maddie Silcott, Tori Waddell, Matt Young. Say amen to that. Isn't that exciting that those folks have, have professed faith and been baptized here at Ridgecrest Baptist Church? And then there are those that are coming for membership by a transfer of letter from a sister Southern Baptist Church. Here are those names. Barbara Byard, Carolyn Johnston, Kelly Shaw, Brandy Shaw, Megan Turner, Artie Robinette, Jerry Holt, Judy Holt, Amber Tumas, Austin Tumas, Donna Starnes, Tim Starnes, Bill Bailey, Linda Bailey, Wanda Newton, Seth Friskney. Say amen to that, folks. Folks, wanted to, to say we want Ridgecrest to be our home. And then by statement, those saying that I have trusted Christ, I have been baptized, I want to be a part of Ridgecrest. Uh, Chuck Snyder, Rose Sterling, Katie Yandel, Paula Dugdale, Craig Alexander and Lisa Alexander. You agree with that? Say amen. Amen. Isn't that exciting to see that the folks are coming to be a part of of Ridgecrest Baptist Church? And, And it's because if you ask them, they'll tell you somebody I know, love, and trust took the time to tell me about Jesus or invite me to come where I could hear about Jesus. And then there's something also that's exciting today. We're going to have baptism right here and now. How can you how can you talk about the Ethiopian eunuch being baptized and, and not have a baptism right on the spot if you have somebody who's waiting to be baptized? So Rodney's going to come out now and to have a baptism for us, and I'll come back. It's my privilege to introduce. To you Mariana Timmons (coughs) Coleman. Mariana, in obedience to our Lord and Jesus Christ's command, and by your personal uh, profession of faith in Jesus Christ as Lord, I now baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Buried in the likeness of Christ. raised to the newness and life. That'll make your day, doesn't it? Amen. So 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 baptism is an important part and, and so so Philip and the unit went down and Philip baptized him. The seventh thing I want to point out to you is that when we are faithful to share, we can then observe the joy that comes to those. Who come to know Jesus? There's a joy that comes into the life of the person that genuinely comes to faith in Christ. Notice in verse 39 when they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord carried Philip away, and the eunuch saw him no more. I don't know what that looked like, but that's got to be exciting right there. But it, it says this and the eunuch went on his way rejoicing. Why did he go on his way rejoicing? Think about his testimony. Now, I went up to Jerusalem because I was searching, and this guy comes and starts running beside my chariot, and while I'm reading the Bible, he asked me if I understand it. I said, No, help me out. He helped me out. I trusted Jesus as my Savior. I was baptized, and next thing I know, I'm 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 this, this, I'm I'm a different man. There's a joy that comes when we know Jesus Christ as our Savior. The joy of forgiveness, the joy of eternal life, the joy of knowing that that our sins are gone forever. Number eight, and last, tell somebody else about Jesus. Successful sharing leads to increased sharing. When we can ever get past our awkwardness and and, and our our unattentiveness to, to share the gospel, and we can do it, and we see the results, and we see God move, and God work, and God stir, and we see a life that is changed, it motivates us to want to go tell somebody else. Here in verse number 40, it tells us about Philip. It said, Philip found himself at Azotus, and as he passed through, he preached the gospel to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. He said he was so fired up about the eunuch that everywhere he went, he was telling people about Jesus. Why? Because he saw what Jesus can do. And when you and I get to the place where we can share and see God move in that God moment and somebody go from death to life and from being God's enemy to God's friend and from eternity separated from God to eternity with God, it motivates us to want to tell somebody else. I heard somebody say not long ago, and I I want to remember this. He said, when I stand before the Lord, I want to be able to say to Jesus, I was just talking to somebody about you. Won't you like that? I was just, Jesus, I, here I am. I was just talking to somebody about you. Is that, is that not good? Let me invite you to bow your head and close your eyes. Would you do that? I want to ask you a question. Who told you about Jesus? Who was it? Was it a pastor? Was it an Iwana leader, a connect group leader? Was it a neighbor, friend, family member? Who told you about Jesus? Right now, just thank God for that person whoever it was. And then if you don't already know, would you just take a moment, Lord, help me to know somebody to whom I can share the wonderful good news of Jesus. I'd like to invite you now as you pray, would you pray for God to give you a desire to tell somebody about Him? Lord, help me to want to do it and get past the awkwardness in my soul. Help me to get past that. Give me desire. Would you let the Lord know that you're available? That's scary to say, Lord, I'm available, but but God's got this. Are you willing to say, Lord, I'm available? And would you be willing to pray, Lord, would you give me an open door to somebody who's searching? I don't know who it is, but would you give me an open door to somebody who's searching? And Lord, would you give me the words to share? Would you help me to tell them about you? Would you pray that in sharing the gospel with others, that they would profess Jesus and you could rejoice with them in baptism? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you that you make it so straightforward and so easy. You take care of everything. You give us the story of what to say. You give us situations and opportunities that you have already engineered and you open all the doors. Help us, Lord, to be available and willing and sensitive to take someone where they are to the place where they can trust you as Savior. Thank you, Jesus. Start with me and multiply it out across our congregation as we pray in Christ's name. Amen. Amen.